um, an equal amount of joy and frustration is what I <laughs> is what I detect. Um, but can you t talk just for a minute, like like just a second, explain? My name is Shanique. I go by Nina. Uh, that's my that's my go-to pet name. I'm from Brooklyn, born and raised in Brooklyn. Uh, first generation, we're part of Brooklyn. Uh, I want to say Bed-Stuy. That's where I have my earliest childhood memories is in Bed-Stuy. And because I'm first generation uh, Caribbean American, my parents are Jamaican and they immigrated to New York City in the 80s. And I was born in 93. So grew up in Brooklyn when Brooklyn was still, you know, very, uh, <laughs> very rough, very rugged, when it was still really Caribbean, when it was still really uh, Southern, um, before the gentrification, you know? Mm -hmm. And I worked in coffee. How long did I stay in coffee? I'm not really in coffee now. Like, I dibble-dabble in and out um, when I feel like it, which is kind of, you know, kind of cool in retrospect because you know past me never thought that I would be able to do that it was always something that like coffee was my survival was my means of making a living and looking after myself so I think I've worked in coffee for like seven years I got my first cafe job when I was 18 it was at Gregory's Coffee in, uh, in Midtown <laughs> cute I like, I like that place I mean, I know it's a chain, but still. It's cute, right? Like, Greg is like, Greg's everywhere, you know, just cartoon versions of Greg and his face mm. everywhere in the shop. Um, but I started there because I could never get hired at Starbucks. I got into coffee because, for one, I needed a job. You know, everyone, you know, the kind of spiel when you turn 18, it's time to, like, work and make your own money and things like that. I needed a job. And I had a, one of my best friends, she worked at Starbucks and she made it, I, I was so naive because she made it look like the coolest thing ever. Like I went to, uh, she worked in the Trump Tower. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I've been to that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fifth Avenue? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she worked in the Trump Tower and I was so naive and so eager at the time that like I would go um, to meet her while she was finishing up her shift and I would like help her make chocolate sauce so she could leave early. And I'd be like stirring the chocolate sauce and I'd be like, man, this is so cool. I'm gonna be a barista. <laughs> I was like, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, So I got hired at Greg's as my first legit tax paying job. And then that didn't last too long because like I was 18 and I was a little shit and I kept calling out of work. But I only worked there for like three weeks is the funny part. Um, they never even put me on payroll. So they paid me cash when they let me go, which was pretty awesome to get like $500 cash in an envelope. Yeah. <laughs> Total baller. Baller teams. And that, that also was really why I was like, okay, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to stay mm -hmm. in coffee because I <clears throat> pretty good money. At the time, like, what year was this? This is like 2012. So... I was like, this is really great money. And I worked at a bunch of little like mom and pop shops in between and like some certain chains. Like I worked at Jack Sturbrew. I don't know if you've ever heard of that place. Mm -mm. Um, it's in Manhattan? It's in the West Village, actually. 
and it's like owned by just like this really rich like white guy from the Hamptons who came up with this like idea that he would stir brew his coffee so we would make the drip coffee in these big ass fucking like urns like they were huge these machines were huge he like paid all this money to got to like get these uh custom machines made and it was a brewer but what you would do is like grind out like a shit ton of coffee i can't even tell you the uh quantity but like a crap ton of coffee put the big ass filter that he got also custom made somehow in there and like the machine would stir had like these little stirring stems on top in the brew basket and it would stir the coffee as it brewed and that was the whole uh gimmick of that place mm, gimmicks <laughs> gimmicks are hot what year was this <laughs> this is 2012 2013 yeah yeah this is when and third wave was still like super new and like it if was you landing. Got in, yeah if you got in you could sell people like anything um <laughs> it was interesting because that place uh, it was in the west village but i did not work with any queer people I worked with one queer woman, actually. The manager was this black, she was Trinidadian. And this is before I even knew I was queer. And I was so fucking into her. Like, I was so attracted to her. And I, like, couldn't figure it out. I was just like, man, she's, like, cute. But that's, like, ah, uh, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> ah, interesting. Um, so she was the manager. Like, she seems, like, kind of over it. She was very, like, uh, one and done. She would get in and get out when it came to her shifts. Um, I remember the night that she called me to let me go. I was really sad. I cried. <laughs> she felt really bad about it. <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, I got fired from like my first couple of coffee gigs until I, I don't know why I got fired. Who knows? I could, could have been because I was a black woman. Could have been because I sucked. Um <laughs> But I got fired from the first couple of gigs. And then I ended up in Tribeca. I ended up at this place called Cafe 1668. Like, Are they, like, always hiring? Yeah. I don't know. That shit sounds familiar as fuck. They're always hiring. Um, they're, it's two cafes they might have more locations by now i don't know but when i was there it was two locations that were like five blocks away from each other and the one that i worked at was in front of like the big ass whole foods like right next to um bmcc that's very um i'm glad like like a like an overarching question for everything we're going to talk about today like the whole new york thing but like one of the things is like, I find that in that particular part of like Tribeca is the type of place that would have a cafe that opened 10 blocks away from the first one. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know why that is. I, I, it's certainly, it's an, it's a, it's like, it houses the most millionaires. Yeah. Right. Tribeca, you know, and it, I've worked in Tribeca and it's fucking weird that way. It's weird. Right? But it is one of those places where it's like they open a second place and like, now we're just gonna stay here and open one ten blocks away. And it worked. With the same name. Yeah. It worked. Um 
one cafe did food. One cafe was mostly like food and coffee. And the other, the other cafe was just coffee. And that's the one that I worked at. Um, I learned how to be a barista there. Like I learned how to dial in. I really mastered a uh, latte art and I worked at that place for a year um, until I got so burnt out and tired of being underpaid and overworked <laughs> because they're all okay. The place is owned by, I won't say their names, but they're owned by two Swedish bankers. So these guys, you know, they're rich. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> they're rich. They didn't really know much about coffee or care much about coffee. They were just like, you know what? Specialty coffee. It's hot. It's new. We're going to like get in on this while it's good and make a lot of money. Um, but the, you know, they tried to they're at their best to serve quality. They had really great baristas there. I learned a lot there. And I eventually quit. I quit. Because it was... It was torture. <laughs> and then where'd you go from there? I went to uh, Grumpy's. Mm-hmm. I think Grumpy. And Grumpy was like... It was cool. It was hip. Everybody wanted to work at Grumpy's because they were paying people 14 an hour instead of like 10 and 11. Mm-hmm. Like Grumpy's was that cafe. They they were able to really get a, how would I say? They dominated the like indie cafe world because yeah. they were like roasting their own coffee. Um, they had a really great work culture. They paid you well. And they also got in on girls. They were on girls. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you remember that. Oh, Lord. I have a whole <laughs> Lena Dunham thing. I, she's, the, she's, she's the center of all my jokes. Uh, because she's just, it, it goes, I, you just proved my point. Because it all comes back to girls when it comes to Brooklyn. Yeah. It all comes down to a plus size uh, uh, rich chick. Named Lena Dunham, family <laughs> representing Brooklyn. <laughs> just pointing it out, people get mad at me. I was like, I, <laughs> "Hey, it's not personal. I just think she represents this or something." That they have like several locations, right? Now, yeah, but yeah. that you worked at which one? Like the Grand I worked one? at. Um, they have they had a bunch of locations, but I worked at the Grand Central location. Oh. Hell. I work with uh, grand motherfucking <laughs> and the What the fuck is it like working there? Like, that, like, it's a, that sounds, it's cinematic, but it's a complete nightmare for someone who works service. <laughs> like, I can't, like. <laughs> okay. Well, what is, like, how does it feel to go from Tribeca to Grand Central? Like, like, what's the difference? Like, I know the difference, but just so people understand, like, the the shift. Well, the I shift. mean, the money changes are, you know, whatever, but that's a, you can go, like, 20 blocks, and it, it's a cultural shift. It's a yeah. movement shift. But Grand Central is, like, anything with the word central at the end of it, <laughs> <laughs> when you have to work service. It was insane. It was insane. The difference between going from Tribeca to Grand Central was Tribeca is a bunch of rich people, right? They're mm-hmm. writers and uh, 
marketing people and I don't know, whatever type of fucking degrees and jobs they have where that allows them to sit in a cafe all day and work on their computer. Mm-hmm. And so like you expect douchey people, but also like because the environment matches up with the population so much is like you know what to expect but grand central is such a melting pot right it's a fucking train station mm-hmm. so there's all types of people who there are people who are commuting there are people who just are like coming to like the city from like brooklyn or like queens or whatever there's like working class people there's artists there's service people there's all kinds of people tourists mainly a lot of tourists all kinds of people coming into Grand Central. Uh, so it was it was hectic. It was hectic and you never really knew what to expect when it came to like your interactions with people. Um, mostly people were pretty terrible. <laughs> <laughs> at least like at cafe, you kind of had like, we kind of yeah. had our regulars and people who were just like, okay, we know this person because they live in the area. They come in all the time. Yep. But um yeah. You didn't really get regulars at Grand Central or like if we did, I guarantee you, you did not like them. Like they, you never wanted to see them. You don't want to see those regulars. They're like annoying people from like the other uh, like terminals, like the other shops. And they like come in, like sometimes like the staff and like, do we get like a discount? And it's like, no, you don't get a fucking discount. Cause like, I don't get a discount when I go to like your skincare store, you know? It's like some fucked up mall. <laughs> <laughs> Except not cute. It's, it's not Grand cute. Central. <laughs> it's not cute. The cafe opened at 6 a.m. We opened our doors at 6 a.m. Which, for people that don't understand coffee, if you open at 6 a.m., that means you need to be there at, like, 5, 5.30. Yeah, five, but five, you five have to set up. To be yes. open the door at six a.m. again, shit show. So I would always catch the. Um, at the time, I lived in Crown Heights, and I would always catch the four train, the four train into Grand Central. Mm-hmm. But I would have to catch, like the timing was so specific. I would have to get on the four tra- the four twenty a.m. train. If I did not get on that train at four twenty a.m., I'm fucking late to this place, and I'm opening the shop late. Um, yeah, like for people that don't understand this, like that some people are on that train because they're coming home from working a restaurant job, which I've been on. Like you might, because there's so few trains between 1 a.m. and 6 a.m. Yeah. So you're fucked. You're fucked. So if you miss the one train that you need, <laughs> the next one doesn't come for like 45 minutes. So you're fucked. Like, you're either calling in sick or apologizing to somebody via text. Yeah. If you don't get that train. Because there's no... Also, there's no coming back from... Uh, you can't not open. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's not like being late at an office job where it's like, oh, yeah, I just have Edith, like, you know, pick up my phones or some shit. Like, yeah. the fucking place doesn't open unless you're there. Was it just... How many openers were there? There were always two openers. There was always two openers. Um, and But I think mostly, from what I remember, like only one person had the key. So this uh, extra pressure, just like, 
key holder. If you're the key holder, <laughs> <laughs> if you're the key holder, you gotta be there, man. If you're not, like the cafe opens late, the person is just standing around and they give you like you just feel like shit when you finally get there and you're late. But um I would get there at 5.30, 5.20. I would give, there was always like two homeless dudes um, on the outside front steps because the way the cafe was, it was super small. It was a super small cafe. We only had like bar stools. Like I think we had like six seats in total. It was meant for people to just come in and out so people could enter one way and then leave the other. So there was like an outside entrance or exit I would say, and it had two steps and there were always two homeless guys on those steps. And they were like really young. So I would just like every morning, I would grab the day old banana bread because we got it like that where we were tossing banana bread. I would grab the day old banana bread, I'd give them some drip and like send them on their way. Um, And then the madness would ensue. The madness not from them. Not from them. <laughs> they were fine. They were fine. They were yeah, that's my point. That's not the. <laughs> I was like, what happened? What, what did they do when you give them? Like, not, no, I would give them some banana time. bread and some some coffee, and they'd say thank you, and they'd leave. Like, mm-hmm. um, but people, but pe- people with homes, customers, <laughs> yeah. customers, people with money and homes show up. And they wouldn't leave. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't leave. I mean, there was always a rush. There, you get that big commuter crowd. It was always crazy. There was always a rush. And there was just always somebody who had, like, a problem. And I would have to, like, mediate a lot sometimes between customers and my staff. Because my staff also, that was the first time I ever worked in a cafe and people were queer. Mm, okay. um, again, I still hadn't, like, come out the closet Right, right. I had this coworker who was one of my favorite coworkers. I can't remember his name right now. I think it was Joseph. And he was like this super tiny, like tattooed, like super hype, like kind of hype uh, guy. And I knew he was queer one day when he like clapped his hands like at a customer. <laughs> he's like, bitch, like we don't need your He's like, we don't need your money. Like you can leave. And I was like, oh my god, Joseph. Like, oh my, oh my god. <laughs> um, Captain Grumpy was a great experience. I got paid well, and the people were really cool. Not the people at my shop because. Uh, no one wanted to work at Grand Central. Everyone wanted to be in Greenpoint where it was like chill and like easy. Hip, yeah. Hip. Um, also, my manager at the time was this butchy, super sweet uh, white girl, this butch white girl who loved Mariah Carey. We would listen to Mariah Carey every day. Yes. <sighs> so Love it. So great. Um, Music's so important. <laughs> And she ended up, she was like in her uh, 30s at the time. She was like her early 30s. And she ended up kind of passing the position on to me because she was just like, I've worked for, you know, Grumpy for like four years. I don't want to manage this cafe. I can't do it. It's too much. And she's like, you're you're young and chipper, so you do it. And I was like, hell yeah, more money. So I'm like, I'm going to manage this cafe. And it was a fucking shit show. It was fucking hard. Like, I didn't have to, like, make a schedule or do anything like that. But, like, 
just keeping up like staff morale and getting people to uh, respect me and to respect each other and to cooperate. Like it it was difficult because I couldn't hire. I didn't have a a choice in who got hired. Mm -hmm. So I get all these, you know, I'd get these people and I'm just kind of like, all right, well, I don't know how I'm going to get them all to get along. And I don't know how I'm going to get them to listen to me because like these personalities don't match up. (laughs) Yeah. I've been there. So one of your, it's funny when you have someone offers you management, but then they tie one hand behind your back, meaning like you have to manage, but you can't hire or you can manage, but you're not in charge of raises. So the staff, correct me if I'm wrong, they've been in this position where it's like, uh, how do you convince someone to respect you when you only have one hand to manage? Yeah. Because they know perfect, they know as well as you do, like, you're only in charge of like the like really benign things. Yeah. And like, you know, that and that's the hardest job is trying to get people to like create a workflow. Create a workflow. Like each other or not, which is like fucking what management is, except you're not getting compensated. Or at least compensated with I mean the the power of the other hand, which is yeah. Hiring, payroll, blah, blah, blah. Making the schedule even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, giving, yeah. <laughs> After I left Grumpy, I went to like, I did like some few like nameless shops in between, but I ended up at Devotion. Devotion. Excuse moi. Yeah, exactly. It's Devotion. I ended up um, in Williamsburg, and that's how I met Marissa. We met William, uh, that cafe. Also, was a really fun but like crazy experience where the owner is Crazy Rich, Crazy Rich from Colombia. Um, like it was really weird his trajectory because he had like a failed DJ career and then decided that he wanted to work in the food and beverage industry. Um, hold my breath we met and that cafe was beautiful it was you know it's beautiful it's huge it's you know it's luxury shit it's rich people shit it's in Williamsburg and Marissa and I met there and eventually all of the because we were part of the opening staff like we opened that cafe and the whole staff was black. That was the first time that, like, I met two other black girls in coffee. Um, mm. A Dominican guy. We're still really good friends. Um, and it was it was great um, until it wasn't. And they eventually, one by one, picked us all off because I think they really started to also realize that we did not match the demographic of fucking Williamsburg. Mm. In the beginning, we kept complaining that we weren't making enough tips. We're like, we're not getting tipped out. Like, we're, you know, busting our ass. We're making really good coffee, you know, giving really great service, and we're not getting tipped. And the owner, and we kept trying to tell the owner, we're like, it's because we're Black. And because you have three Black women behind the bar. And because you have Luis, this Dominican boy behind the bar, you know, um, all of our customers are white. All of our customers are literally gentrification. And mm. like 
we just weren't like it just wasn't it just wasn't matching up. So eventually they picked us all off <laughs> one by one. We got fired. Um and then Marissa and I worked at Super Crown together because the cafe in Bushwick was called Super Crown and it got so much good press. People were so excited about it because the owner used to own Gorilla Coffee. And we all know what happened. Oh, sh- oh, we sure do. <laughs> Wait, for the people that don't know, because that was such a stitch in time, um, what the fuck was Gorilla Coffee? Oh my God, I forgot that happened. There's so much scandal in coffee, which is why I wanted to talk about this, because like, even I forgot about the Gorilla thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> gorilla Coffee, I think, was the first... That was like the first coffee scandal, like Brooklyn coffee scandal, wasn't it? Yeah, they walked what, out. They had what happened? Out. I, I fucking oh. forget. I just know that, like, I know at the time uh, the owner and her partner were just like terrible owners and terrible, like, business people and bosses, and people were, you know, just severely underpaid. This was, I, I do believe, um, Gorilla was in like Park Slope. Yeah. So it was a pretty affluent like neighborhood and people were, you know, underpaid. They were overworked. Uh, again, management was awful. And I think they like wrote, I don't, I can't remember exactly, but I know they walked out. Like they walked out, they, the whole staff walked out. <laughs> and like, <laughs> put up, like they like posted up like their like demands and they like posted like, they like talked some shit about like the owner, like put her on blast, which mm-hmm. I learned later that she like sued them for. And I think she kind of had to go in hiding for a little bit. And then, you know, a couple of years later, she gets this spot in Bushwick and she's roasting and she's, you know, she's pretty good at what she's doing, even though looking back at it, her roast was a little bit too light, but she was making like really great coffee. Um, and roasting a lot of products by herself and people were so excited because it's like the redheaded like witch woman who like rose from the ashes like the phoenix right like she now she's in bushwick now she has this this uh collab project with another man called super crown and the aesthetic was on point for bushwick it was like it was pink it was white it was clean um some people called it unapproachable but like it was Bushwick, it like fit mm-hmm. yeah, and brand. It was super on brand. And Marissa and I, uh, I don't know how we, and I don't know how how Marissa ended up there, but I do know that like the owner did a good job at sourcing really talented baristas. So someone else that I had worked with in the past in Tribeca. He was there um, as a manager and Marissa got put on to that job and then she put me on. Um, So we were working there together and (laughs) I was super pissed in the beginning because I knew that I had like a white coworker, a white male coworker, a cis guy, straight guy who was making 15 an hour while I was making 12 an hour and I had more experience than him in my opinion. I'm pretty sure it was a fact. So like, um, it started off a little iffy, but I was just like, you know what? This is really cool. It's really hip. I'm working with my best friend. 
well, two of my really good friends, because our other friend, Nick, was the manager there. They uh, were managing and they would advocate for Marissa and I because they would be like, hey, you guys are being kind of fucking racist that you like stuck her in the 12 an hour ghetto. And that like, they would say like little like slick things to us because Marissa and I would be behind bar working, having a great time and we'd laugh. Yes. One of the owners were like, he like he'd come over jokingly and he'd be like, "Did I tell you about the no laughing loud rule?" And we're like, um. <laughs> we're like, no. <laughs> and one of the funniest memories that I have of working there was our porter. Our porter was this Dominican boy in the neighborhood, like. <laughs> like like an original like bushwick dude like been there all his life and they just like found him like walking down the street or some shit like that that's what they told us they like found him like outside that makes sense like he's a fucking feral animal whatever found him exactly what they would say (laughs) and he was our porter and you know two like two i want to say like two months into him working there things start going missing so like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, love it. Tips are going missing. Well, the tips didn't start at first. At first, it was a MacBook. There was a MacBook that went missing, <laughs> and it was this whole like debacle. Like, yeah, yeah this whole debacle because everyone's like talking about like who stole the MacBook, and the owners are like coming to people one-on-one and like interrogating them and we're all just looking at them like okay i know you guys are trying to be like liberal and progressive and like (laughs) neutral but clearly the person who makes the least fucking money (laughs) at this job who you found on the street is the person stealing shit and they just didn't like they were like accusing like marissa I remember, like, for some reason, like, Marissa was in the hot seat. And Marissa's just like, dude, <laughs> <I did> not. <laughs> I'm laughing because I know Marissa. <laughs> just, she, she must be like. You're just like, what the fuck? Like, she can't like, be fucking serious. Yeah. So they let it go. They, they just let it go. They never, we never found out who stole it, supposedly. So they, we moved on from it. And, um. Tips started going missing. So now, like, staff, like, now we're pissed. <laughs> we're like, what the fuck? It's clearly this person. And we're like, really? You think so? And we're just there, like, no, this is not a moment where you are being classist or racist because he's legit stealing. Like, no, he, I am a black woman from the same place as him, the same class as him. And I'm telling you that he's stealing from us. Uh, and that place, I want to say, like, the owner, she was just, like, it was, like, she didn't trust us, you know? Like, she saw that we were good, but it just, like, wasn't good enough. Like, she told me that I had some of the best latte art she had ever seen, but she was really adamant about me pouring slow Zetas. She's like, I want you to pour slow Zetas um, because this guy called uh, Nicely like Nicely 85 or something like that. He was really popular uh, in the specialty world because of his latte art. So she wanted us to mimic him. And Jesus. 
So she's like, yeah, every day she's like checking in on me and like, like I'm like her little project, like, are you pouring like slow Zetas, you know? <laughs> and she made Marissa the trainer and like educator. So we're like, okay, you know, things are going well. Nick is uh, the manager, they're managing. Um, Marissa's training and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm a barista. And I don't know, like things just like slowly fell apart because the owners had a disagreement about something. I don't know what it was. They had a, a big falling out and one of them pulled out. Like one of them was just like, fuck you. And he pulled out of his, uh, he pulled his investment, his money away. So now uh, the head roaster, the owner who roasts, she's struggling and she doesn't really know how to operate a cafe. Remember what happened to Gorilla. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't really know what the fuck she's doing. And she's hired this girl who used to work at, um, what was that really popular uh, pizza place in Bushwick? Can't fucking remember right now, but we would get like our pastries and our bialis from them every morning. She hired this girl who, who worked there and who had like a restaurant background as our coffee manager. So now this girl is like doing cocaine in the bathroom because we all know fucking servers and restaurant people do coke. And we're yes. like, and we're like, she's doing lines in the bathroom. She's being really fucking weird. She's ordering the wrong amount of coffee. She's just like, shit is all over the place. And um, eventually they fired Marissa and I can't remember for what reason. I really can't. I don't think they really had a reason. I think they just like let her go. And now I'm there by myself and Nick, they quit because Nick had quit because they were like, well, if this is going to be the only uh, owner who's overseeing everything, I don't want to work under her because of what happened at Gorilla. They were like, I'm not working under this person. And they quit. So now I don't have any protection. I don't have a queer you know, white person advocating for me. <laughs> mm, no. Yeah, no, that's real. That um, is a real thing in this the coffee world. And I had sick pay. I remember this job where, like, we, that was one of the benefits is that you would accumulate sick pay. So I had, like, 20 hours in sick pay. And I remember calling out. And I did it, like, six hours in advance. Like, I was, you know, as, you know, I tried to communicate the best I could. And I was told that it was okay. I got the okay. And then one of my coworkers complained, some guy from like San Francisco or some shit or like California. I don't know where the fuck he was from. Probably San Francisco or Oakland, California. Yeah. He was just like so whiny and like flimsy. Oh, San Francisco. He ended up getting position. Whiny, flimsy, California, but San Francisco. Round rimmed, round rimmed glasses. Curly hair. Berkeley. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It was just like, you know, like, I feel like Marissa feels like I took her spot as the trainer. Oh, God. (laughs) Stop talking. (laughs) Right? I was just like, please stop. Please stop. So he. Right. He's trying to confess to you his sins as if you're supposed to make up that guilt. Yeah. But he bitched about me calling out because he was like oh it's so busy it was so busy. Oh, not fucking busy so it's so uh that's what i'm talking about 
<laughs> right? Yeah. The apologist is now the fucking person throwing you under the fucking bus. Mm-hmm. And then you'll get replaced and he'll apologize to that person if it's a a person of color. Like, you know, you know up- Nina was really good, but you know, it's just like a such a like pattern um behavior yeah yeah he bitched about me not showing up so i got fired and eventually um and this was something that disappointed me the most because the owner was you know female queer and i was expecting her to teach either me or marissa or just a woman in general um to roast right because she was doing all the roasting by herself and she said that she wanted someone to start assisting her with roasting. And she did not give us that uh, opportunity of learning and she extended it to the like California guy. So he eventually took over roasting. (laughs) Why do you think that is? um, I mean, if you do know or what do you suspect it is? I just suspect that like he fits the bill. You know, he fit the bill, he, he, he fit the vibe, he fit the aesthetic. <clears throat> so I'm talking about all this stuff. It's like, there's, there are all these weird, like, corridors when some cokehead gets to be the man you, like, giving you the, like, giving you the order. Yeah. We need, like, 15 of this. And you're like, who are you? Like, what? Like, Walter, <laughs> there's, like, you're kind of like a like a really tiny science major yes. going through all this. And yes. it's like, it's just not, it's like, it's actually closer to like being a chef, except you don't get any of that kind of respect. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a really layered profession. Um, and I think because we had things like Dunkin' Donuts and like Starbucks and like even fucking, um, if you remember, I mean, everybody fucking remembers this show, Friends, right? When they would go to uh, Perk Cafe, Central Perk or whatever. Oh, yeah. Totally New York. Like, totally accurate. Totally (laughs) accurate. (laughs) Like, coffee has become, like, the thing. And coffee and the barista has become the thing that plays in the background of, like, upper middle class and fucking rich people, pretty much. So you have to be on this certain level because it is something of the bourgeois sure. you're on, you have to like be on this certain level but because you're still in service and you're serving them you just don't get i don't know you yeah. don't get the credit you don't get the credit you don't get the pay and the difference between coffee and alcohol is that people get fucking drunk so people are going to pay for that anyways like people are going to put money into alcohol alcohol has this rich history of like going through prohibition and then that not working out you know and us having to figure out ways for people to safely consume alcohol like people people will spend more money on it and but people spend a money a lot of money on coffee which is a weird thing so like coffee is such it's like a it's a billion dollar industry yeah but the baristas just don't fucking get paid um because you have like the baristas who are the very front of the house and then you have 
the managers and then you have the general manager who oversees all the managers and then you have the owners and then you have the roasters and you have the green buyers you have the people like it, it it's such a hierarchy and there's so many layers that go up that like yeah. humor doesn't see but you as a barista you have to perform. You have to perform. You have to, you know, be gracious. You have to be a host. You have to be inviting. And then you still have to be a fucking culture and also food product like encyclopedia. Not only do people want to know about the coffee, they want to know about the region and how it was grown and the people there. And you have to give people that spiel. And then you're doing the physical skill set of like, almost like driving a car, right? Like interacting with this machine and knowing mm-hmm. how the machine knows how to pull shots, knowing how to adjust something on a grinder because none of it is really straightforward. None of it is. Um, it's all this like coded, it's like coded language that you have to learn. Yeah. I was going to leave their name out of this, but I, it's, it's time to, <laughs> time to dish. And I do have a, a text note from someone that still works at, that office and oh, wow. just as like a quite I was like do you have any questions for me and Nina um but at some point you elevate yourself into a management position and you work for an established coffee third world third wave coffee place Joe um I almost slipped and said third world but I I think we should i love that power play of words interesting, interesting. where you get your coffee from third wave third world third wave <laughs> <laughs> this time around you did have you were in management but you did have a a, a hand in hiring right yeah. in a sense in there. that I must have felt a little better right yeah i got the final say which was which was nice so they treat so how did you how, how did you get to Joe? I think I just applied um, for Joe. Like, Oh, you weren't in management yet. You didn't get a management job. You worked from yeah, with them. Yeah, I didn't get a management job right away. I had gotten fired from Super Crown, and I was un- unemployed for a little bit. So, you know, I'm looking and searching for jobs, and I saw So they fired Marissa, and then they fired. <laughs> and then they fired. And that was the two black girls got fired story that I was yeah. looking for. Yeah, yeah, that was the story you guys were telling me. They fired us for laughing loud, essentially. Right. Being friends. Yeah. Yeah. God yeah. forbid, which is something I look for when I buy a cup of fucking coffee. If two people are fucking having a good time and make an excellent product, which clearly you guys do because you guys know your shit. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, interesting. Like, we don't have room for people like you. <laughs> people are enjoying doing their job and doing a good job. So, big bullet point. What the fuck is BCG and what the fuck is Joe? <laughs> so there's Joe Coffee, which is a, a place that was small, became big. Yeah. Like small big business, but yeah. pretends to be a small business. Yeah. And then um you see how that plays out. But they're like, we're only one location. We're gonna have three locations, we're gonna have five locations. All right. And they, they go from there. At least the difference between the beginning of the story is that this is actually someone that worked in coffee and built their way. Kind of like, you know, 
Joe does come from someone that made their own coffee shop and was like before anything was there, had an idea and went from there. But long story short, eventually they expand so far beyond their regions that they're now have a contracted version of a cafe. Cause I remember when I got the interview, cause I went to Chelsea, which seems perfectly innocent. And, um, you were there and like two others. And I think there were two, correct me if I'm wrong, but the other two people were queer, right? Yes. Yeah. And like, that was like, Oh, I didn't know it at the time, but maybe like, you know how, like you knew, um, I guess the big thing to point out is the, even when you didn't know you were queer, you have a sense of it. Yeah. You know, and you find people that you have a spidey sense or yeah. like something. And it's sort of like <clears throat> buried within you, but you can feel it like reaching out. And when I interviewed with three people, and I was like, oh my God, it's a three person interview. I was like, I didn't, I sense like, I think all three people are gay or something. If they're not, they're fucking weird, <laughs> which comforts me. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, where does it compliment where everyone's like, they're all completely different people. Yeah. And I was like, I've never had an interview like that. And it was in Chelsea. So I was like, Oh, like I, I was like, Oh, this is cute. I'm like yeah. sweating. Cause I, it was, Oh God, it was summer. It was hot. Dressing. Listen, dressing for an interview in New York City in the summer, really stressful because you're like, it's a barista job. Do I have to dress professionally? But baristas don't have to look like professionals. I don't want to sweat my balls off, but I also like, I'm going to end up sweating. Like you can walk two blocks. <laughs> It'll be 95 degrees in the summer. Yeah. You walk in and yeah, it, it, did work out but anyway I remember sitting with you and then you were like you had to do, give your speech yeah I remember what the place was and I was like so at, at our location <laughs> do you remember it you had to sell it um, and you did do you remember <laughs> how do you remember your speech I don't remember my speech, but I do. I think I was just like, I have to tell you what the CPG <laughs> location was about and what made it so unique, but also so different from like the rest of the locations. Um, like, and what to kind of, I couldn't like bad mouth it, obviously. I couldn't say all the negative. Of course. But I had to kind of, I felt like me personally, I was trying to like communicate to you. Like, <laughs> I lie to you, <laughs> but I also have my bosses like with me, right? And it as I wanted to be, but I'm just like I'm not trying to like really mislead you. I'm trying to tell you subliminally that like, yeah, this is cool. It's also some bullshit, but it's pretty cool if you do the job. Um, I didn't know you were queer actually. Like I didn't like know like and like for me it wasn't something because. <clears throat> I remember at the time, because upper management was queer, the thing, the hiring practice was usually we, it was a lot of queer people at Joe. And um, 
I remember at the time, the Chelsea location had a queer manager and a mostly queer staff. And I kind of like blew her out the water being like another uh, queer manager with queer staff. So when I was interviewing you, I wasn't really looking for queer people per se, but I did get the like spidey sense. But you know, you're never sure. You can't make assumptions about people. And I remember after you left, like I'm talking to my two bosses and they're just like, do you think he's queer? Do you think, no, no, not even do you think he's queer. They're like, is he family? That was Yeah, the- yeah, the language. <laughs> I think he's family. And I was just like, I mean, I, I don't know, I guess, but I like his vibe. Like I like, you know, I like the way he spoke. I, I like the way he answered his questions. I really like his vibe. I, I want him. And they were like, you sure about this? And I was like, yeah, like, I think he's going to be really, like, really cool. Like, I, I'm going to take this dude. I'm going to hire him. So that's how you ended up at the hellhole that is BCG. <laughs> <laughs> also, like, let's just be honest here. Like, I think fashion plays into it in different, like, the psychology changes when you go through that, like, tier one of, like, something like Hudson Yards in this, like, epic designer building to make coffee. Like, did that hit you? Yes. Because like, it hit me. Yes. And you got the job first, but you were my manager by the time I got it. But did that hit you at all? It did. I noticed that. I mean, when we were there, our dress code was pretty lenient in the sense that, like, we just couldn't wear, like, they, there was no uh, graphic tees, that, no graphic tees, no, like, ripped jeans, like, ripped holy clothes. It had to be, like, solid colors, pants, or, like, jeans with no rips in them. And, but you're surrounded by these um, young, like, business professionals, right? All these people who work in an office, either they're consultants or they're tech consultants or they're secretaries, they're assistants, and, you know, everyone makes enough money. Well, they're rocking their Lululemon when they leave work and they're rocking their, I don't know, whatever like bougie ass fucking clothing brands that they wear. So it kind of, it, it did hit me. Like I started to dress like them. I started to dress like them. Like, of course, like with my own, like, you know, flair, because I am, you know, I'm, I'm me, but I, yeah. started to wear, like, I started to shop at H&M and get and wear like the fucking like uh, slack pants like the, the <laughs> colors, I had them in like pink and blue and black, um, and like the chinos. You know, I started wearing those chinos and shit. <laughs> such an awful word. I don't know. It's such a bad word. It's a, it's a terrible word. It's a yeah. It's a sister of khaki. Yes. It's, yeah. It's just, it shivers down my spine. Not because of the color, because of the word. Because the word is bad. It's bad. Chino and khaki. Yeah. But you did it anyway. I did it. I did it. I did it to fit in. And you worked from within, and then you got a management job. Yeah. Did you have to change your fashion for that? It got, it just got, it got better because I started to make more money. Mm-hmm. So... I went for making, and the reason why I originally took this job, and I think why you even applied for the job, because it paid 18 an hour, right? Because Yeah, no- yeah, because yeah. it had a different base rate, because it was not a tipping job. It was not a tipping job, so we, the baristas made 18 an hour, and once I became a manager, 
I made 52K a year, which was like crazy. Oh my God. I've still <laughs> never made, I've still never. I hope by I'm 80 that I get to 52K. I've had a taste, like just a little taste of like what it is to be like middle class, upper middle, and a little <laughs> upper middle class bourgeois, you know, to make that, being that tax bracket. So, you know, I'm making more money, so I'm, I'm dressing a bit better because, you know, I got to fit in. And it, But that's it, like, didn't that feel good? It felt good to make that much money, yeah. But didn't, I mean, was it like, I personally felt like, I think that fashion is important and it, it is good to represent yourself. You should have the freedom to represent yourself. But you should, it, what it felt like to me correct me if I'm wrong, is like, it also felt like, um, it was actually refreshing to see, like, I was like, yeah, I have, like, shirts without holes in them. Yeah. And I don't believe in graphics. Yeah. Unless it's, like, Saturday. Yeah. Or going to band practice. So it was, like, I found it refreshing. I found it pretty refreshing as well. Like, it was the first time where, like, especially because I was managing and because I was making the money that I was making where I felt like I had a career. Like I yeah. felt like I am a professional. I am making like bank. Like I'm not making <laughs> chump change. Like I'm making the same amount, the same kind of salary as someone with a degree, right? And I didn't have a degree. <laughs> I dropped out of college. So it, it felt good. It, it felt really nice, but also at the same time, a little bit, like maybe just to me, it kind of felt like, like now you, 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 it's like when you go to a really wealthy person's home or if we even want to be really like raw about it, like the fucking, when we look at American history, the black people who were enslaved, if you were a black person, if you were an enslaved person who was inside the home and served directly under your owner, you dressed nice. You looked good. You had you you know because they couldn't have you looking shabby because you're you're too you're too close to them to to look like shit. So it kind of felt like I had to kind of dress up, you know, because now I'm like the house the house barista. <laughs> was it always? Were you, were you just questioning that? Like I was, it was something that I was just always aware of. And I was like, okay, well, like, you know, work in a corporate setting, got to match the environment. But when I became a manager and I realized that even me holding this position of power within like my company to these people, I don't fucking matter. 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 That was part one of coffee and, uh, excuse me, credit in the coffee world. Um, I put coffee ahead of credit. How fucked up is that? Okay, I guess I'm on brand. Anyway, um, part two, we'll talk a little bit more about coffee and being gay and stuff, dealing with uh, being gay. 
doing um, fried COVID and working on coffee shop. Anyway, have a good night. See you in a few days.